0: We're excited that you're joining us online today. At Calvary, we are connecting people to Christ and to community. We hope you're inspired by today's message. And so I want to I want to say a couple of things about that. First of all, we've been presenting in this series that it's not a magic, we don't think that reading the scriptures is some kind of magic bullet or whatever, right? And so because we've said in, in, other, uh, in other weeks that you could read the scripture and it could just be like an academic experience. Um, There are all kinds of, Jesus dealt with all kinds of religious people and they knew the scriptures, but they weren't changing their lives. And so we've been saying over and over again, D.L. Moody said the scripture was given not just to increase your knowledge, but to change your life. But isn't it amazing that the Bible is transformative, that it can change your life, that we believe that applying the scriptures to your life is the way to see significant life change. And so I know there's people in the room, and you hear statistics, and you think, like, nah, you know, like, they can be skewed or changed, or you might ask, be asking the questions what other factors might be involved there, and I get that, and there's probably some truth to that, but that is amazing, that you get to a place where you're reading the Scriptures more days than you're not, which is what stood out to me. At four days, you're in the Scriptures more days than you're not, and it makes a huge difference. It makes an impact on our lives. Isn't that amazing? The scriptures, I believe, we believe that as a church, they're transformative. They can change your life. And uh, we're going to talk about that this morning, about studying the scriptures and, uh, and how we might do that, how we might go about it. And today we're going to look at kind of a simple method that we just call verse by verse. It's just simply going verse by verse in the scriptures and uh, reading and understanding them that way. But just before we do that, I just wanted to say that um, anybody ever put any furniture together? You, maybe you bought something from IKEA. Would would anyone admit to having put that furniture together without first reading the instructions? Yeah, I'm with you on that. And so I just wanted to say this morning that trying to live for Jesus, like not all, maybe not all of us, but many of the people in the room, we're trying to live for Jesus. But trying to do that without reading the Bible is like trying to put that piece of furniture together without reading the instructions. And so inevitably, you're going to get something out of order, right? Like, that's what I do. Like, uh, like maybe eventually you put it together, but you've had to go back and undo four steps three different times, right? And you're like, if only I had just uh, read those instructions more carefully, I could have, like, undone less of my stuff, right? And that's what happens to us, right? If we're not reading the scripture, we end up undoing. We end up having to go back, right? We end up missing things and having to kind of redo those things. So we want to be in the scriptures. We want to be people of the Bible. And so today, like I said, we're going to look at this idea of simply studying it verse by verse, whether that's a, a whole chapter or a big section of scripture or if it's just a couple of verses. But if we just looked at it verse by verse. And I want to remind you that we've been saying that um, from another study that was done in 2014, a Canadian study, they said that the, the people that engage are most likely to engage in Scripture. They have confidence in the Scripture. They have conversation about the Scripture. And they have community that's around Scripture, right? That's involved in Scripture. So they're part of a small group. They're part of church. And so I want to encourage you to find answers to your cre- your questions. So I wanted to just take a minute about that part, the confidence part. And he even said that, you read the Bible four times a week that, you know, it goes up 200, 200% the amount that you share the, the you share the gospel, you share Jesus with other people. And he said, then he said, it's because you have confidence in Scripture, right? And there's something about having confidence in the Scripture. So what I want to encourage you to do is ask questions. And so in every one of these methods we've talked about, one of the key things is asking questions of the text. As you read it, things that you observe, things that you're not sure about, you ask questions of the text. But I want you to. I want to today. I want to encourage you to try to find answers to those questions, okay? Because I have found there are skeptical people who ask questions about Scripture without ever spending time to find answers, right? Or they've heard someone say that all oh, the Bible is full of paradoxes. It's full of, um, you know, mistakes or whatever the case may be, right? Without ever having done so, then they just go, oh, and. And it's, it blows my mind, actually, how we can have confidence in some person we heard one time more than we, have, we would have confidence in, a, you know, this book that's thousands of years old that's been, that's been studied in so many different ways, that, that, that the, the belief system that it created continues to go on today. Like, there's so many amazing things about the Scriptures, and yet we might have heard someone say, oh, yeah, that's no good, and we've just gone with that. So I'm encouraging you this morning... To, to dig and to find answers to those questions and ask them. Like in no way are we a church that uh, we're pretending like the scripture, can't. you can't ask questions of it, you can't ask questions of God. Like no, th- we need to. We need to. It's how we find confidence, asking questions and, and actually looking for the answers. So let's not just be skeptics and, and ask a question, but let's, let's study, let's find answers. And one of the ways we do that is, in conversation and in community, right? Like those things go together. We have confidence in the scripture when we have conversation about it, when we have community that surrounds it, and we find answers to the questions that we have. And one other thing I wanted to point out about the scripture is that I was thinking about this week. I was just praying about this message, and it was just interesting to me that Jesus told this parable. Um, it's called the parable of the sowers, or you might have heard it called the parable of the, of the seed. But He's, he tells a story about a farmer that's got all the seed in a bag, and he goes around, and he's throwing it out. He's throwing seed everywhere. And the seed falls on kind of four different kinds of soil. It falls on this stony, hard ground and never never even takes root. It falls on this shallow ground, and it takes root, and it grows up quick. And the Bible says that then the worries of this world choked it out. And, then, and, then there, and it says that it falls on good ground, takes root in that good ground, grows up, and produces fruit. But what I was struck with t- this week is that it's all the same seed. Like the message is the same. And so it's it's amazing to me that we can, and I'm not just talking about sermons, but when we read the Bible, we can hear the same message, each of us. You know, we could be, Like in January, we read through the book of Acts, and some of you read through certain passages and it like blew you away. You're like, man, that's, that's, I need to write that down. I need to figure out how I'm going to apply that to my life. And someone in the room read the same passage on that morning and they were just kind of like, you know, whatever. They were distracted or, and it just went by or it wasn't particularly impactful for them right in that moment. And so they just kind of go by it, right? So the seed is the same. There's so, the, the condition of our heart is so important when it comes to scripture changing our lives when the way that we approach it and so that's why i think this stuff that we're talking about is so important because if we were to if we're to get something out of scripture we need to approach it we need to ask god we need to do it prayerfully god have my heart be ready as I read the scriptures today, and you know, whatever, take a method that we've talked about, and take some time, and study it, and 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 again, like maybe it, maybe it turns into more time than you normally would, and somewhere in that time, there's a changing of our hearts, and the seed of the word that we've maybe heard before takes root in us, and it grows in a different way, and so I would say that to people who like, whatever, there's people who grew up in church, and then they just kind of walked away from God, and and they figured it didn't matter anymore or they they changed their thoughts on things or whatever which you know happens but we like maybe we need to return to that place right maybe it wasn't the message that maybe it wasn't the seed that was the problem. Maybe it was like the condition of our heart had changed. Maybe we got to this stony place, this hard place in our heart without even maybe even realizing it. And so then it seemed irrelevant. It seemed to not matter anymore. And maybe even this morning, God wants to soften your heart. He wants to open you to the message of the scriptures today. So um, this week at staff meeting, I was talking about how I was going to Talk about verse by verse, and Pastor Nathan said, Have you heard of soap? And I'm like, I use it occasionally, I've heard of soap, and um, so, but it's like this acronym. And so, I go home that day and I say to Christy, Yeah, I'm gonna talk about verse by verse on Sunday. She goes, Have you heard of soap? And uh, I'm like, Yeah, geez, like, what's wrong with everyone? Um, So, anyways. So SOAP is this acronym, which I had never heard of before, but apparently everyone else has. And uh, so I'm going to share with you this morning, and it might be new for you, or you might be like, yeah, I've been doing that for years. Like, get on board here, Pastor Tom. And uh, But uh, I'm going to share with you this morning it's just this real simple, clear way of kind of going verse by verse and uh, remembering what it is that you want to do as you do that. So um, the first the first. S there is for scripture, right? So we're just simply um, reading scripture. We're finding a passage. We're just doing our daily reading or whatever it is, however we go about approaching it. But there's scripture. Then there's observation. And so right here in this observation, this is where we're asking questions of the text. Okay, so you're reading and we're going like, huh, like that seems weird. I don't get that. And so we want to ask a question, we want to try But again, we don't want to just be cynical and be like, that's weird, why would that be? We want to f- see if we can find an answer to that question, right? And um, Or there might be just something that stands out to you, like, wow, that's, isn't that amazing? I never noticed that before. We're, we're making observations, and then we're working to apply the scripture to our lives, which this is coming up, both of these, observation and application is coming up in virtually every method. We're making observation, we're asking questions, and we're working to apply it To our lives. Because every time you read scripture, the application is not always obvious, right? Like sometimes we're reading some passage that doesn't necessarily, it's not obvious to us exactly how we would apply that to our lives right now, but we're working to find an application and then we're committing it to prayer, right? So scripture, observation, application, and then we're committing it. To prayer, And we're going to do that this morning. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 to 14. And we're simply going to do this. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to make some observations. We're going to work to apply it to our lives. And we're going we're to commit it to prayer. So we're going to do it together. But uh, while you're turning there, let me give you some background about this letter. So the letter is addressed to this church in a city called Ephesus. So they called them the Ephesians like you might call us Dunvillians. And um, so they were just from Ephesus. And... So it was, it was addressed to them, but Ephesians is an interesting letter because it's actually a general letter that was written to the Ephesians, but it was meant to be passed around to a whole bunch of different churches in, uh, in Asia Minor. And so some of those letters are written specifically to a certain church, and so they might deal with a specific issue or a specific problem, and they're pointing something out particularly. Ephesians is a general letter that was meant to be passed Around and so the goal was to communicate Paul's like collective thoughts on God and faith. It was his big thoughts on God's activity in the world, and the lives and in the lives of human beings. So it's uh, some people have called it like Paul's like manifesto on faith, and it's so it's his big thoughts. And ideas. But let's read it. We're gonna read it all the way through, verses three to fourteen. As we read it, let's keep that soap in mind, right? So we're we're making observations and we're looking for places that we can apply to our lives. Even the very first time that we read it through, we're looking we're looking for observation and application. So verse three says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without faith in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that we purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered us with kindness on, he, he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan: at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, which is us, everybody's not Jewish, have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit in God is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. All right. So lots in there, and if you were to look at the whole book of Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians are really about like when we follow Jesus. It's about like the bank account. What we what comes to us because we're followers of Jesus. Like the position and the identity that we have in Christ, and the the, like what is in our bank account because we follow Jesus. What's in our spiritual bank account? And uh, I know some of you got nervous there for a minute, but I mean your spiritual bank account. And um, so we're going to talk, but we see it right away. Right away in verse 3, we see this idea about what it is that we, because we're in Christ. And this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture because... Now, in the New Living Translation, it'll say united with Christ often. If you read it in the New King James, it'll say in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ you're this, in Christ you're that. And over and over again, it talks about what we have because we're in Christ. And so first of all, I want to point out from verse 3 that you're rich. If you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus... You're rich. You have every spiritual blessing. Verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Because we're in Christ. You're rich with every spiritual blessing. So I heard a story this week. Someone was telling me that their mom was going in. They'd been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. She was going in for surgery. And uh, she was talking to her son before she went in for surgery. And... She was nervous and and all of those things, like you would be. But she said to him, she said, either way, however this ends up, either way, I'm in Christ. Either way, I'm in Christ. Like live or die, I'm in Christ. And the peace that it brought to her heart and life. And it's true, that that truth is there for all of us today. Either way, we're in Christ. Either way, we have every spiritual blessing because we're in Christ. Christ. We're rich beyond measure in Jesus. But we don't always live like that, right? I don't know about you. I don't always live like that. I don't always live like my bank account is full. I don't always live like I'm in Christ. And so C.S. Lewis, I'm going to read it to you. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Isn't that powerful? C.S. Lewis has a way of saying things, right? But uh, we are far too easily pleased that, there, that sometimes we don't even know what is offered to us. And so this morning, I just want to talk about that for a bit. What this infinite joy, what is offered to us in Christ? We've been made rich with every spiritual blessing, and it's offered to us in Christ. In Christ, we've been redeemed. We have an inheritance. We can trust God. In your bank account today is adoption, acceptance, Redemption, forgiveness, wisdom, inheritance, the seal of the Holy Spirit. There's life, there's grace, there's this citizen, citizenship in, in God's kingdom and, and even in heaven. And in short, there's every spiritual blessing. So it's our position, it's our identity, Our identity. we are children, we're family of God. Those of us who have given our life to Jesus, we're the family of God, we're children of God, you're a son, you're a daughter of God, and it comes with this infinite joy that's being offered. But sometimes, like I said, and all of us probably do this on certain days and certain times, but it's like, you know, it's, it's like in a game show, where they give you something, and then they say, like, you can either keep what you have, or you can see what's behind door number two, right? And... Without, If you don't know what's behind door number two, if what you have is decent, you're kind of like, well, maybe I'm better off keeping what I have because I don't know what's behind door number two. And I believe that in this series, when we're talking about studying the scriptures, what we're saying is that you can know what's behind door number two. Like even before you make your decision, you can know what's behind door number two, that it's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. That there's, there's study involved and there's some work involved and there's some asking questions and there's some applying it to our lives, but we can know, in fact, what is behind door number two, that, that it's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. L- like, those of you who are parents, when you have, like, an Easter egg hunt at your house, you're not hiding the eggs from the kids. You're hiding them for the kids, right? You actually want them to be found. You don't want to, in a month from now, find some, like, melted uh, uh, egg in the corner somewhere. You want them to be found. Plus, you want the kids to have fun and all those kind of things. So they're hidden not from the kids. They're hidden for the kids. And there are these, the Bible even calls them hidden riches. But there's this spiritual blessing. There's this hidden rich riches that is offered to us in the Scripture that's not hidden from us, it's hidden for us us. But we do have to look. We do have to apply the scriptures. We do have to make observation. We do have to read. We do have to look for the eggs in the same way that your kid, like, it's part of the fun of it too, right? Like, they don't come down the stairs and just sit in the middle of the living room expecting eggs to be placed on their lap, they want to go. It's like part of the fun. They go on a hunt. They look around. They find it, right? When we do our Easter egg hunt here, they're not so much hidden. They're just scattered around, and the hunt is not so much to find them. It's to, like, push other kids out of the way so that you can fill your bag, right? But there's still, like, there's this effort that's involved. There's there's this, you have to go run, and you have to get it, right? And in the same way, these things are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. But there is, there's, there's we're going to talk about it in a minute here but there's this there's God's sovereignty and there's this piece of human responsibility that we don't understand how all of these things work together but both of those things are essential and both of them are shown in scriptures that God is sovereign that he is ruler of all and yet there's like this small part of human responsibility that's played in it and in the scriptures and in and looking for it that's part of What we do is we go looking for it. So you're rich is the first thought. Secondly, from from verse chapter 4, is you're chosen. Verse chapter 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You're chosen this morning. You are, like, you're loved by God. You're picked. You're chosen, right? Like, I think that that should encourage us this morning. I said this a couple of weeks ago, but... You know, maybe you had that experience when you were young and they like pick captains and they line up all the kids on the wall and then they're like picking and everyone's getting, you're like, oh no, I don't want to be last. Please don't pick me last. Please don't pick me last. Somebody pick me. You're like getting eye contact with the captains, trying to give them like a sad look. Like, please pick me before I'm last. But you're chosen. You're chosen and you don't have to worry about being picked last because God loves you and he's picked you. You're chosen by God. Warren Wiersbe said that, does the sinner respond to God's grace against his own will? No, he responds because God's grace makes him willing to respond. We respond because God's grace even makes us willing to respond. We love God because he loved us first. He loved us first. He poured out his grace on us, and he did that for everybody. So when we're reading these these us statements in Ephesians chapter 1 where it says like he loves us and he and he wants this for us these us statements are everybody, whosoever will may come. This is us. This is the us is those who respond. That the offer is made to everyone. The plan is to restore everyone. And, and again, the offer is made and is spread wide to all of us, to all to everyone. Whosoever will may come. But we understand that the reality is that not everyone will participate, not everyone will respond, but the offer is made. To all of us. We love God because he loved us first. Paul shows us that each human being, later on in in Ephesians, he says, "Each, each of us has this choice, either to live in the light of such a connection with Jesus, or to live in darkness, unaware of this connection with Jesus. But God's intent is to recover us all. You've been chosen. You've been picked. And people grow where they're loved. Where they're loved. I read this book called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. And it's really interesting. In the book, he says, Love is not license. So because we love somebody, it doesn't mean we let them do whatever they want. Love is not license. You, like you don't, you, you, like, you love your spouse, but there isn't license for them to go and, you know, whatever, love other people. And uh, like the love is not license acceptance acceptance is not agreement right like we accept people and we don't always we don't agree on every issue but we still accept people acceptance is not agreement and forgiveness is not compromise then he went on to say that when when love acceptance and forgiveness prevail the Church of Jesus becomes what Jesus was in the world a center of love designed for the healing of broken people and a force for God right the church becomes a center that's healing broken people and a force for For God, as we walk in this love and acceptance and forgiveness, and we can do that because it's already happened for us, right? The Bible says, freely you've received, now freely give. So because we've been chosen, because we're rich in spiritual blessings, we can walk in love, acceptance, and forgiveness because we've been chosen, we've been forgiven ourselves. In verse 5, we see that you're adopted, right? You're adopted. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Okay, so there's there's this cartoon that was written, and there's kind of a lawyer who's standing in front of all these. um, He's about to read the last will and testament, and there's all these family members that... um, it's like somehow, I don't know how cartoonists do this, but they make it seem like they're greedy, right? So there's like these greedy family members in front of this guy, and he's about to read the la- and he says, I John Jones of sound mind spent it all. <laughs> right? <laughs> there's nothing left for you. But I saw this like quite a while ago, and but I thought of it this week, and it just reminded me how Jesus did the opposite of that. Jesus paid it all. And Jesus wrote you into his will and then went and gave up his life and died so that that will would be executed. So that everything that he won for you, everything that he paid for you, so that we could walk in all of it, so that we could be adopted. He paid it all. Instead of spending it all, instead of using it all up, he paid it all. And he said that through my life and my death and my resurrection, you get every spiritual blessing and you are chosen and you are adopted and you're invited into this family where, where it changes everything about your life. Because he's paid it all. He paid it all. You've been adopted. You're a part of the family of God. And God, so we look at God as our father, right? Romans 8 says that we can cry out to God and say, Abba, Father. We can say, Dad. Like, so whatever you're going through this morning, you can talk to God about it. And he can handle it. Like, I go back to that idea of questions. God can handle your questions. God can handle when you're not sure whether this makes sense or not. God can handle those things. But we we need to not just walk away and say, I don't know about that. We need to talk to God about it. We need to ask the questions. We need to seek for answers. We've been adopted into God's family. He's our dad. And whatever stuff you're going through this morning, no matter what obstacle you're facing, what. What, uh, you know, what's happening in your family or if there's sickness or, you know, whatever that we're facing, we can talk to God about it. He can handle it. And more than that, we're adopted into his family. He wants that. He, like, like you, those of you who have kids, like you would want your kids to come to them, come to you, right? You, you, you don't want them to be like, oh, no, mom or dad's going to be ticked. Like, I, 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 I'm not, I'm, the last thing I'm going to do is tell my mom and dad. Like, no, you want them to be able to come and tell you, even when they messed up, even when they made mistakes, even when they got themselves in trouble. That right then, that's when you want them to come, and you want them to know that they can. And God wants that for all of us, that even when we get ourselves into trouble, we know that we can, that we can come to him, that he's our father, that he chose us, that we're adopted into his family. Verse 6 tells us that you belong, that we belong. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. We belong to Jesus, and you have a place to belong. If, you know, somebody's maybe here this morning, you've never felt like you really fit in anywhere. You belong right here. You belong in the family of God. This is where you belong. It's like... Welcome home. Like you belong here. This is where we belong. We belong in the family of God. We belong in the community of faith. All of us. This it's been it's been set out before again, like you read earlier in the chapter, before we were even born, this this offer has been made to us. It's been set out for us that we've been chosen and adopted, that there's this offer laid out for us that we can belong here. That if we follow Jesus, we belong here. We can make ourselves. We can't make ourselves acceptable to God, but by his grace, Christ made, uh, he accepted us. By his grace, he's already accepted us. Um, Verse 7 tells us that you're redeemed. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Right? He purchased our freedom. That's that word, redeemed. He paid the ransom. He purchased our freedom. He forgave us. So every sin, every wrong thing we've ever done, every mistake we've made that causes us to live in regret, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything, we, anything in your life that you regret... so. We, just, we confess to God, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No matter what that thing is, no matter how terrible we think it is, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I know we're going verse by verse here, but I am going to skip ahead a little bit to conclude in verse 14. So verse 14 says, The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee." The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. The Holy Spirit, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us is God's guarantee that he's going to bring it to fullness. That John 10.10 says that the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. And so I go back to this idea of C.S. Lewis saying that it's like a kid who's in a slum just making a mud pie And when someone offers them a holiday at the sea, they're like, no thanks, I'd rather just stay here and and make mud pies, right? Because they don't understand what's been offered. And in our lives, even those of us who know and love Jesus, sometimes we've gone back. Like the Bible talks about it in a way, it says it's like a dog returning to its vomit is the way that I think it's in Peter describes it. And so, but sometimes we've gone back and we're like, nah, I think I'll just make mud pies. And because our desire is not deep enough, that it's not that our desires are too strong, it's that our desire is not strong enough. And so we've we've said, well, we'll just, we'll settle for this. We'll settle for selfish ambition. We'll settle for sex. We'll settle for drinking or whatever the case may be. When Jesus is saying there's full life for you, More abundantly, this infinite joy that's offered. And because of what he's already done, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, is. not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done, offered to us is adoption and we're chosen. And there's this redemption that comes to us. There's infinite joy. There's this life to the full that we can live fully satisfied even now, living life to the full, just walking in God's will for our lives, believing that he has great plans for us, we can walk in it because it's offered to us because of the sacrifice of Jesus, offered to each one of us. And there's these spiritual blessings, these hidden riches that if we would go looking for them, we'd find them and it would impact and change our lives in a significant way. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back and we're gonna close here in just a moment. But the Word of God is important, okay? I want to kind of come back to that idea of the, the, how important the Scriptures are. Whichever method we might choose to study or use, right? Like, maybe this is your first week here in the series, and so you didn't know that we were talking about studying the Bible, and you don't know any of the other ones, the other methods we were talking about. And it, it doesn't matter. But I want to encourage you this morning that the, the Bible is important, and that it's a way to see significant life change. Again, D.L. Moody said that it wasn't given just to increase our knowledge, but it was given to change our lives. That if we would open ourselves up to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to what he would speak to us, that it would change our lives. Because the Bible is more than a book. And what if we as a church, as a community, in 2020, wouldn't it be awesome if a whole bunch of us were in the Scriptures more days in 2020 than we weren't? Like I know some of you read the Bible every single day and you're like, you want me to, are you saying I should read the Bible less? Like, should I go down to four days? No, like that's not what we're saying. But what if we as a, I just, I I think, I saw that video, I thought, man, wouldn't that be awesome? If like the majority of our church at the end of 2020, if you were able to, maybe you'd use the YouVersion app and you could actually actually track it or whatever. But what if we were able to look back and we'd say, you know, like more days than not, I was in the scriptures this year. I was read the Bible, the word of God. We believe that it's God breathed, it's God inspired, it's given to us to change our lives. And more days than not, I was reading the scripture and hearing God speak to me. What if we made that commitment, right? And what if in this series you're, like we're talking about application every week. And what if your application out of the whole series, you take one thing and you say, one thing I am gonna do is I'm gonna be in the scripture more days than I'm not days than I'm not, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to aim for four or whatever the number is or whatever, but more days than not, I'm going to be in the scriptures because I believe it was given to transform my life. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up this morning. And you're here today and you're saying that uh, you want the scriptures to change your life. You're saying that I want to know that I'm rich, that I'm chosen, that I'm adopted, that I belong, that I'm redeemed. So here's kind of the plan. This morning, I, was, I just want a whole bunch of us to respond and maybe even just fill this altar up. As you come, actually, I, I'd encourage you to come forward. Sometimes we like stop in the aisle and it blocks everybody. But this is me by faith believing there's going to be a bunch of people. But uh, come on forward. And we're just, but we're just simply making, like it's a really general, we're just coming and we're saying, God, I want the scriptures to change my life. And I know some of you are saying like it's already happened. That's That's been happening. And just in a fresh way, we're coming. We're saying, God, I want the scriptures to change my life. Or maybe you're here today and you would say, that's never happened. Like, I don't really know the Bible. I might be able to tell you, what, you know, one or two or whatever, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Wherever we find ourselves on that spectrum. But we're here today and we're saying, I, I need my life to be changed. And I want to walk in those spiritual blessings. And I want the scriptures to change my life. And so sign me up for that. And we're just, like, walking forward doesn't do that. It's not miraculous. There's nothing special about, like, the front of the room. But we're just, it's just a way of, of, it's an action. It's an application. It's just a step that declares, not even to anybody else, declares to myself, I'm saying, God, I want the scriptures to change my life. I want to be transformed. I want to be different. I want to be in the scriptures this year more days than I'm not. So I'm going to encourage you just to come even now. If that's on your heart, you're saying, yeah, I want the scriptures to change my life. Then you're just going to come and we're going to, the band is going to lead us here um, for a couple of minutes. We're going to worship the Lord. And then we're going to pray for just for all of us. But you're coming, you're saying, God, would you change my life? That the Bible get into me and change me. Let it make me more like you. I want to be different because of the words of Scripture. I want to make a commitment to be in the Bible, to let the, the words, let it bring a significant life change, that things would be different, that even in, you know, looking back on 2020, that it would be different because of the Bible, because of the Scripture, because of the words of God in my life. So let's worship the Lord just for a couple of minutes here. We're going we're gonna to sing to God with all our heart, and then I just want to pray for everybody, but let's worship Jesus so much for listening. Be sure to check us out online at calvarydunville.ca and like us on Facebook for quick updates about what's happening here at Calvary.